I can't imagine getting to do what I've done as a coach if my family hadn't been so much a part of it. You know, one of the best ways to show gratitude is to return it in kind. People treat you well if you give them an opportunity to do so. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club podcast. I'm your host, Max Price. In today's episode, I welcome an Oregon baseball high school coaching legend, Lenny Wolf. Over his career at Warrington High School, he's amassed over 500 wins, one state championship, multiple college baseball players, and one Major League Baseball World Series champion. But the conversation goes much deeper than that. Lenny Wolf is one of the most amazing men that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. He's an extreme family man, and I'm so excited to have him on board. So please welcome Lenny Wolf. All right, I'm here with uh, Lenny Wolf. Lenny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Max. Absolutely. I've known you for a long time. I, I was the. Uh, in your son's wedding, I met him back in in college. We were college baseball teammates, so um, I had heard about you before then because you're you really are a legend in high school baseball in Oregon. But um, I was I was thinking today, and I was like, "Wow, well, I've known this guy for like 13 years or 12 years. That's weird." <laughs> it has been a while. Yeah, I actually reflected on that too after you sent me the invitation. I was thinking, "Gosh, yeah, Dan." Dan met him back in 2007 at the beginning of your guys' frost year. And, and uh, well, I've followed your career ever since, you know, including the steps you were taking while you were a student at Pacific. Absolutely. Uh, so I wanted to give you a chance to kind of start things off like we've been doing uh, to let you uh, just kind of walk us through your career. So kind of going all the way back to where you started and, and where we are here today. Uh, and actually, I appreciate that because – uh, somewhat similar to uh, Chris Lee, uh, your your first podcast, uh, I have some old connections that I'd like to reach out to. My my first teaching job was at Colton, and my second teaching job was at Glide, and so I I just wanted to reach out here to those people and tell them that uh, they and and their families have been in Michelle's and my thoughts and prayers and. I certainly hope that things just continue to get better for them. Uh, the the things that the people in those communities are dealing with, you know, none of us ever hope to have that. I also want to reach out to uh, family and friends in the Gates community, Saniam Canyon. Um, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of difficult things right now, and I'm uh, each night I'm amazed when I read about what some of the people in those communities are doing to uh, help one another. Boy, they they get it. It's been crazy. We had um, I, I didn't find out until today. We're talking about wildfires in Oregon. Um, one of my former players who uh, never played varsity for us, he, he stopped playing after his junior year to focus on football, and he got ended up getting a D one football scholarship. So it turned out okay. But he uh, he and his his dad, their house in uh, Gates burned down. Yeah, that's it's it's uh, been rough. My, I have a cousin who teaches there, and her husband uh, runs the hatchery up there uh, for fish and game. And um, their home remarkably uh, was left standing. But you know the the things that are happening to the people they know and such, you know, everyone's impacted. Um, you know, some are perhaps more fortunate, but you know when you talk about good fortune within that kind of misfortune, it, yeah, it's right. kind of hollow and. 
Yes. So at any rate, my thoughts go out to them. And, and again, backing up, uh, I meant, I mentioned the fact, of course, that I met you at Pacific. Uh, I, I played baseball, uh, sparingly and without distinction for four years, uh, for Chuck Becero, uh, graduated in 84. Uh, I knew I had already known by that point, I wanted to be a teacher and coach. My father had been a teacher and football coach. In fact, again, it was funny listening to Chris Lee talk. You always end up thinking about what a small world it is. Uh, Chris Lee's father-in-law was a fellow teacher of mine at Glide. Really? Chris Lee's coach in college uh, at Umpqua was Danny Withers. My father coached Danny Withers, and then I ended up coaching his son, um, one of his sons, I should say. And so uh, it, it, we're far more insular than we know, um, which I think is one of the important things actually to realize. Uh, it can be a big world, but uh, it's, it's, it's not so large when you really start looking at things. You know, what's the Kevin Bacon thing, the six degrees of separation? Yes, that's uh, right. You know, it applies to all of us. I, I began teaching and coaching at Colton High School. Um, I was a paid coach in football and a volunteer in wrestling and baseball. Uh, I was really fortunate. Uh, had some great tutelage there, some great mentors. Um, Bart Valentine, who has done all kinds of incredible things as a basketball coach in Oregon, uh, was on the staff at the time. Greg Adams, who's won multiple state titles as a basketball coach, um, was a good friend and fellow coach. Uh, a, a guy named John Arango was the head wrestling coach. And I learned so much volunteering for him. Uh, every day at the end of practice, he always made a point of thanking me. And, and, and it just blew me away. I can remember partway through the year, I said, you know, you don't need to thank me. I'm thrilled to have this opportunity. <laughs> and he said, Lenny, you always need to thank people. And uh, honestly, that that was one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. Uh, the, the, that whole concept of gratitude. Um, Vic Thompson was the head baseball coach, and uh, I discovered later he actually took part of his paycheck each year just to give me a little something at the end of each season. I thought I thought the district had come up with a little money, and uh, as it turned out, um, actually it was Vic. That's and, amazing. Um, you know, that again, that stuck with me also. Um, you know, and so I was at Colton for three years and always looking and hoping to become a head coach. And I was fortunate enough to receive the head baseball position at Glide. Uh, let me see. That would have been uh, the 1988 season. I was I was three years at Colton, uh, you know, 84, 85 through that. And then. 87, 88, I moved to Glide with Michelle. Uh, we were expecting our first child at that time. Katie was born while we were down there, um, as was Dan, not too much longer. Anyway, um, I was I went from being a paid coach in one sport to being a paid coach in three. Uh, still doing football, wrestling, and baseball. Um and I was at Glide for four years and had the additional uh, honor of being one of the coaches in the Roseburg American Legion program. I coached one of the, well, back then they called them the B teams. Now they're the, the A teams. Um, and, and 
again, I was just, especially in that Roseburg Legion program, I was just surrounded by incredible coaches. Um, Bill Taylor and Rod Trask, Ron Goodell, uh, just, just incredible coaches who knew so much about the game. Um, I was blessed during my time at at Glide to have an assistant coach named Jim Irwin, uh, who could sit and talk baseball for hours. And I tell you that, that time you sit around just talking with other coaches about the game, you know, how, you know, what do you do? What do you think about this situation and what would you do? Uh, you, you develop so much. And, um, I, you know, I, I look back on it now and I still think about, you know, I'm just this young mid twenties kid, and, um, you know, here are these guys that in some cases were themselves already legends in, in, in the, the region. And they would sit and talk with me for hours if I wanted to. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just an incredible experience. Um, but, you know, that having been said, um, Glide wasn't necessarily a perfect fit for me. Uh, and I, you know, I wasn't a perfect fit for them. And so after four years, uh, I had an opportunity to move back closer to home, uh, and, uh, took the job in Warrington. Uh, I came up here as a head baseball coach and an assistant in football and wrestling. That was a 91, 92 school year. And, uh, they haven't fired me yet. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still the clear. having a great time. I'm just having a great time. And, um, you know, that's, I guess, in terms of where and how long, that's all of just three spots. I, I mean, I haven't really been much of a baseball gypsy, um, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, uh, you know when, when you settle into a place that comes to feel like home, it just seems – it, it, it has, it has been just too good a place for me to ever want to leave every now and then an opportunity to go somewhere, uh, larger, uh, became available to me. And, and ultimately every time it just came back to, uh, the idea that, uh, no, I've, I found the place that I call home and, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be continuing here and, and actually, Anytime you're in a place for 30 years, the experience changes. I'm, I'm actually, I'm coaching kids now whose parents I coached and, and, and taught. And so uh, it's a new experience that way. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's not, I was thinking earlier today as I was kind of thinking about our conversation and um, when I was thinking about how long you've been at Warrington and how, when I looked up Oregon, like history for baseball and coaches, um, you, you can find a lot of guys back in like the sixties who made it long, long times with their, with their one school. But nowadays it seems like the, the guy who's spending close to 30 years at one school are becoming extremely rare. Uh, it Very is. rare. It is. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of looking every, every year when the, OSAA puts out their coaches directories. Mm -hmm. I, I love looking at it to see where people are or <laughs> forgive me for putting it this way, if they still are. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's really hard to find people that stay 
And I don't know if it's hard to find people that stay in one place so long as much as it is that it's harder and harder to find people that are willing to put that many years into coaching. Um, the, the, the nature of the, of athletics has changed so much. It's, it's more difficult for coaches to be able to make a life out of it. And, uh, you know, there, the, the kinds of things we have to deal with, uh, you know, once upon a time, quite honestly, funding was never an issue. Uh, turnout was never an issue. Um, you know, a lot of things were never an issue. And so, um, it, it was fairly painless to, to have to do the administrative kinds of things that head coaches used to have to do. Uh, but, you know, so many things have changed. Uh, I think a lot of coaches, uh, you know, it's, it just becomes too much. It just becomes too much. Well, heck, when I began my career, there were an awful lot of coaches whose significant others were, were stay-at-home parents. Uh, frankly, one of the you know, great, well, the greatest blessing in my life has been my wife, Michelle. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we had, we have two great kids and she was very happy and to, to be the one that had dealt with everything. Uh, you know, I, I'd coach and she'd parent and I'd come home and I'd try, I'd, I'd do the best. I, I like the way Chris Lee put it. You need to be present where your feet are. Um, I thought that was a great expression. Uh, you know, once I got home, I was dad and I was husband. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you know, I had still been every day. It had been at least 11 hours that I had been gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she raised our kids and, you know, as we'll probably talk about later, was still very much present in the programs that I was involved with as well. Um, and that gets harder and harder because again, now it's pretty hard to, it's, it's difficult to have a household with just one working person. And so, uh, just the, the demands on parents are, I think more difficult now, um, or, or different, let's put it that way. Different. I imagine you know, it, it was never easy for Michelle either, but it was different. Yeah, when I uh, when I was thinking about this podcast, one of the big things I wanted to make sure that we arrived at was was you and family. And I found it uh, not ironic, but just really telling that with about f- probably forty five seconds of the start of this, you already brought your wife Michelle's name up. Um, and when I think of like the like the high school baseball family, um, there's there's no one above the Wolf family um, that I've met yet. Um, can you go into what Michelle does, um, not only the parenting side, but specifically with your teams? Oh, I'd, I'd be proud to. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I think has allowed me to do things as long as I have is that our family has always been, how do I want to put it, uh, part and parcel of the entire effort. Um you know, if, if, if a person hired me, uh, to, to be a coach, they knew that they were getting my wife as well, uh, to run the concessions and to do a lot. Well, the, I guess the term we've always used is team mom. Uh, she was going to be that and, and extremely active in that role. Um, and that's, uh, you know, when, 
when I started working as a head coach at Glide, she started running the concession stand there. And I mentioned that Katie was born while she was, while we were there. Uh, by the time Katie was four years old, she was helping Michelle in the concession stand. And, you know, by the time Dan was five, he was the bat boy, the ball boy. Um, you know, he was there, but, you know, get, getting back to Michelle, um, our, we have a pretty incredible setup at Warrington. Uh, we have a, a concession stand slash press box that sits behind home plate behind the backstop. And uh, the windows overlook the field. And Michelle has a barbecue on the side of it. Um, and uh, as I said, she, she runs our concessions. She's been the cook forever. She would tell you that she got into it because she just uh, was too nervous watching games. <laughs> she just couldn't sit in the. She just it, it was it was more than she could deal with. Needed and, something uh, to keep her busy, <laughs> keep well, her mind occupied, basically. That's it. And she was telling the truth. I mean, I when when we played for the state championship in '94 uh, back in Old Civic Stadium in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I was I, I looked up to where she was sitting. I thought. And she wasn't there and the people saw me looking for her and I'm out, you know, where's Michelle? And they pointed and she was up in the second deck. She, she had to just get, she was up there where she could pace and I could see her wringing her hands and, and uh, you know, she was just so nervous. And, and I'm sure she, you know, I, I thought, well, if they'd had a concession stand that would have been with, within eyesight of the field, she would have asked if they needed help. Uh, yeah, that's funny. In in 2019, when you guys were playing for the the state tile at Volcano Stadium, um, I went to get a, a drink or something on the concourse, and there was Michelle, kind of pretty much as far away as you can get from the field. She gets so it still rang true almost 30 years later too. She gets so nervous, uh, <laughs> and it was that way in football. When I coached football, she, uh, you know, it, it. There there are other parts to it. I mean, unfortunately, you know, one of the ugly parts of coaching is. There are frequently people in the bleachers that mm-hmm. that are very aware of who the spouses are of the coaches, and they don't mind at all saying things in their presence that are less than flattering. Um, and you know, so Michelle kind of figured out at one point, I don't want to be a confrontational person with those situations. And of course, I had told her, you know. We, you can be thick skinned about it, Michelle, because I don't hear them and it doesn't bother me. Um, if I know I'm doing what's right by the program and the kids, <laughs> you know, they're entitled to their opinions too. Um, but you know, she just decided, you know what, I'll go see if they need help there. And, you know, she, she kind of tweaked things over the years a little bit. Uh, you know, when Katie and Dan started being involved as players, she always made sure she was watching them. Um, but depending on the sport, she watched them from that position. <laughs> you know, in baseball, she watched from behind the barbecue. In the other sports, eh, well, she'd come out from behind it and watch when they were participating. Uh, when Katie played volleyball, Michelle actually sat in the bleachers for four years, which was which was great. I enjoyed the company. <laughs> but the concessions, the concessions at Warrant and Michelle, as I said, she became more than just the person running the concessions. Uh, I've had so many of my players tell me that Michelle was like a surrogate or a second mom to them. And uh, we have so many fam- baseball families from Warrington that um, 
honestly, I think when sometimes when they come back around to the ballpark, it's less to see me than it is to see her. Um, and, and frankly, to have one of her hamburgers because they are uh, the mama wolf cheeseburgers. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, she just, she's become so close to the kids over the years and she thinks of them as her kids. And, um, I think one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, when I think about Michelle, uh, it's, I, if you ask me the year now, I can't tell you, let's say it's been somewhere in the vicinity of 10 years ago. Uh, the student body, um, the, the president of the student body made a proposal and the students, uh, the, all they, they seconded it and it was unanimous. Uh, the concession stands at the ball field. Now it's named mixed snack shack. Uh, they named it after Michelle, um, and, you know, they said, you can't, you can't think about the concessions at Warrington without thinking about her. And, um, uh, you know, I was just, uh, and, and then very recently she received, uh, the Terry Christensen award, which is given each year at Warrington to people who, uh, demonstrate selfless devotion to the Warrington program. And it's one that's designed for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's, I mean, when you think about it, I've been coaching for 30 years, for 30 years, a lot of time that she's been running that shack. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. And, and well, we raised our kids that way. Uh, Kate, Katie, Katie worked in the concessions. She was taking change. She learned how to count money out by the time she was five years old. And, uh, she, I'm, I'm a lucky dad. My, uh, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of parents would uh, be thrilled if they could say what I can. I, my, my daughter, she, she married every girl's dream. She married a fireman, paramedic. <laughs> uh, she, she married a hero. Um, they live three miles away. When she gets off work, if we have a game, Katie still comes to the field and helps with the concessions. She's been doing it her whole life and, and still does it. And now she brings two of my grandkids Ryan and Jackson, and they're playing with the players after the game. The, you know, some of them, we always work on the field after the game, and some of my guys have figured out that I won't yell at them if uh, they're playing with the grandkids instead of doing their job. Um, it's the one exception. <laughs> you know, they, they just have a blast. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I can't think of a better place to raise a family. Um, you know, everyone – you know, they, they've, they've always treated my family so well, um, from what I, you know, everything I see. And, and I, you know, again, uh, it's fun when we have our alumni baseball games, they get as many hugs as Michelle and definitely more than me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Dan, like I said, uh, we did that and Dan, when he turned five, uh, I mentioned 94 winning the title at civic. That was the first year Dan got to be a uh, bat boy and um, got a picture of the dog pile after the championship. And, and there's my five-year-old son racing out in front of my assistant coach, Jim Dixon and me, uh, Dan's jumping on the pile. It's kind of like, ah, you know, you're about three feet tall, man. I don't know, but you know, he wasn't going to miss that. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, again, I I can't imagine getting to do what I've done as a coach if my family hadn't been 
so much a part of it. Um, and, you know, in fact, that would, you know, that'd be one of the things if, you know, new, new coaches that are contemplating, uh, you know, becoming a partner to someone and having children. Uh, I hope it, I, I, I feel bad when I think it chases them away from the sport because there's just not a better place to raise a family than, than on the fields and in the gym. Uh, you know, the people, people treat you well if you give them an opportunity to do so. And, and if you demonstrate that it's a priority for you to treat them in the same manner. And, you know, I, I just, I, I honestly feel like the reason my kids are the kinds of people that they are now as adults is because of where and how they got to grow up. I mean, Dan, I, I guess I, I take it for granted. I forget I'm talking to you and I know, you know exactly what he's doing, but you know, Dan's a, Dan's a teacher at Monroe high school and he coaches football and wrestling and baseball. And, um, you know, it's, in fact, he's teaching English. Even I mean, you know, as I said, uh, there, there are an awful lot of parents that you know would say, "Oh, I, I want the son to be a chip off the old block, and I, I want my daughter to always live within cl- you know close proximity." And and uh, well, as I said, I'm I'm pretty spoiled in that respect. Dan Dan is married. Uh, you know, Lauren uh, is the business manager for Monroe. Uh, I mentioned Katie's, Katie's married. Derek is a fireman paramedic in, uh, in, uh, Kelso, Washington. He actually drives about an hour and 15 minutes each time he goes to work. Uh, but they like the community here. And so right now everything works well. Um, the only problem I have is that I don't have a helicopter so that I can make more frequent trips down to Monroe. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. I really need to work on that. When you when you talked about Warrington um, and how it's been a good place to raise a family, I've had assistant coaches over the years. Uh, my son's he's only thirteen months old, so he's he's not quite ready to walk out on the field or anything yet. But I've had assistant coaches over the years who have have young kids, and they come out and come to practices and games and camps and whatnot. And I think the the impact that being around kids has on high school boys is is huge. It is. I mean, you hate you hate to think about your children being sacrificial lambs, but you know there is a little something to that. Kids, the high school age kids, will act better when they're around little ones. If you teach if you teach them, and if their parents have taught them that that's important, and we we make a point in our program of, of talking about those kinds of things. I, you know, I. When I went into education, I, again, I'm a pretty fortunate guy. My dad, as I mentioned, had, has always been my role model, my hero. Um, you know, one of the things that I can remember him imparting upon me is that we have to think of athletics as an extension and continuation of the educational process. And, and so it, it has to be about more than just the sport. And that doesn't mean that we have to become the moralists that are teaching the kids all the kinds of things that, you know, that families traditionally teach, but it does certainly mean we have to help them to understand the concepts of right and wrong and what morality is and, you know, how to go about developing a healthy one. And, uh, you know, I, again, my high school guys, when, when Dan was in our dugout, 
couldn't have been better in my book. And, you know, Dan would probably say, well, there were times when Dan was in the dugout and there are some things I heard, Dan. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some truth to that too. But um, nonetheless, I mean, one of my, you know, I have so many fond memories, but uh, I mean, I, I, I can tell you about so many occasions where uh, some of my biggest, toughest players who, you know, in many, you know, we're a small school. So usually if I'm talking about one of my big, tough players, he was also a football player for me. And uh, I can remember occasions where my big, tough football players, uh, my, my little, you know, five, six year old, seven year old daughter had them wrapped around her pinky uh, throwing pitches to her so she could hit with a wiffle bat or, or throwing balls that she could catch. And, and uh, you know, you would, you would have, you would have thought that, uh, you know, that I didn't have anything but cream puffs for players because they, they were so gentle and kind. And, and uh, I can't tell you how, how much that has meant to me. You know, I, I, I think one of the biggest phrases I try to help guys to understand and the, one of the most important concepts is, is the concept of gratitude. And, you know, we, we have to learn, we have to know how to show gratitude. And as I said, I, I've got so much to be grateful for in this community. And, you know, one of the things I've tried to impart is that, you know, one of the best ways to show gratitude is to return it in kind. Uh, you know, whatever the gesture was, return it in kind. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting. Anytime you talk to old coaches, sooner or later, they come around to the concepts of the golden rule. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just fits, uh, you know, when, you know, again, as I said, if you te- if you treat people well, they'll, they'll reciprocate and, and you don't treat people well because that's your goal. Treat them well, because you know, the goal isn't the reciprocation. The goal is to be a good person. And, uh, you know, but, but there is the benefit that comes from it. And, uh, you know, that, as I said, this place couldn't have been better and continue to be better to me than what they've been. Let's dive into Warrington then. Um, and I, I I would be, I have to make sure we get this in because this is one of the coolest things I think in at least probably in Oregon high school sports that, that you guys have is the history of baseball in, in that area that goes well, well deep into the past way before any of us were around um, and how you, you run the turn back the clock game. And could you get into that, the history of baseball up there and the turn back the clock game that you guys run? It, it is pretty incredible. And I mean, I'll get to the turn back the clock game. We don't get to do it as often as I'd like uh, because this is the Oregon coast and sometimes the weather changes. <laughs> no kidding. I can't tell you how many years that event has been postponed or canceled because of weather. But anyway, you know, people that are familiar with Warrington probably are familiar because of, of Fort Stevens State Park and Battery Russell. Well, you know, if you go all the way back to the Civil War uh, out at Battery Russell, there were civil, there were some earthworks that were built there, uh, you know, where the Army was stationed. And uh, it was during the Civil War period that baseball was introduced by uh, soldiers from New York to Southerners, but and then also to other military members, and it made it all the way across the country. I'm I'm told that 
and, and no one knows ex- the exact location, but apparently uh, the first baseball field on the West Coast that, you know, there's any kind of record of uh, was in Warrington uh, out, out and actually, you know, Hammond, if you will, out out at, at uh, Battery Russell at the Civil War Earthworks. And I've always wanted to, upon retirement, try to figure out a way to to locate the actual site. Yeah. I, I've always thought yeah, there should be something, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, but then for decades and decades in continuation from that point, baseball was played here. Um, if you even go you know, over to Astoria, um, the old railroad lines used to, that used to go you know, right down along the Young's Bay and the Columbia river. Um, they had spurs that would go out to the ballparks and, you know, back in the old days when, you know, everyone had mill teams and city teams. And, um, you know, so, they, they, I mean, Warrington as a school started playing ball back in the 20s. Uh, but it was always a big program. Now, eventually Warrington got to be so small as a student body that uh, somewhere in the early 60s, we dropped baseball for a while. But it only was gone for about 12 years as a school sport. Uh, kids were still playing, you know, Legion ball club, you know, uh, semi-pro programs, uh, mill teams even then. And, and so it came back fairly quickly. Um, uh, really the gentleman responsible for the revival was a guy named Dwayne Huddleston. HUD was the AD. Um, when I first came here, uh, he was the one who hired me and, um, you know, HUD's, Huds in the high school baseball coaches hall of fame. Uh, I mean, he, 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 when he first came here, he coached the, he coached the kids from, you know, junior high age all the way up through. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's really the one that, that, um, you know, we certainly revived the program, but he did more than that. Um, and, and so, you know, it's always been a good baseball place. And, uh, you know, there, there have been some years like everyone uh, has that, you know, maybe we weren't as competitive uh, on a year, year to year basis. Uh, there weren't too many lulls. Pretty small. Say, right? uh, it's pretty rare at Warrington. Yeah. To be honest with you. But, um, uh, you know, nonetheless, it, but one thing that, that never really has waned uh, is the passion the town has for baseball. Um, I mean, my gosh, we play summer ball and we've got more than just parents there. We've always got a following. There's just such a love for baseball. Uh, for years, when I first came here in the 90s, my guys that would go off to play college ball back before there were lots of college leagues in the summer, they'd come home and work out on the field in the evenings. And all my high school guys would come work out with them. I never ran a formal summer practice for probably the better part of 20 years um, because they all just got together and did it on their own. And um, I mean, my gosh, it was just, it was just incredible. You know, every now and then I'd grumble about how many baseballs they were stealing or about the fact <laughs> that they forgot to, you know, you forgot to fix the mound afterward for uh-huh. crying out loud. You know, I got a hole in my mouth. I got a hole in front of the plate now, you know, and, and they, they, they'd all just, you know, no, I was just making noise. Frankly, I, I never worried when baseballs were missing because I knew that meant they were getting used. Right. Um, and it, you know, now 
so many of my former players um, are our youth coaches, uh, and or if they're if they're elsewhere in their lives, not in Warrenton, they're coaching elsewhere. I mean, there are a lot of Warrenton guys coaching in programs, not just around the North Coast, but um, they're all over the place. And it, it's again, I talked about you know gratitude. One of the things that's so gratifying for me is that they enjoy baseball so much they want to keep being involved even after their their playing days have passed and um, you know that that kind of gets back into a you know you met I guess we can talk about the turn back the clock game um, I had a couple of parents back in uh, around 2004 2005 uh, they wanted to do something special for the program and I came up with the idea of hey let's let's see if we can get some old throwback uniforms made, you know, some that look like the old twenties and thirties uniforms. And let's, let's get the old, like, you know, the old black socks. We'll get the, the small brim hats and such. And let's have a turn back the clock game. We'll, we'll charge, you know, we'll, we'll charge a quarter for, for a little, you know, an eight ounce bottle of Coke and we'll have peanuts and Cracker Jacks and hot dogs. You know, you can get, you'll be able to, you can get a, you know, a, a bag of Cracker Jacks, a hot dog and a soda. We'll charge a buck. Uh, it's never been about making money for us. We want people to be able to come to the ballpark, feed their family and have a good time. Money takes care of itself. Uh, I guess later you'll, if you ask about fundraising, we can hit that. But, um, you know, we, we, we play old timey music and uh, the guys wear the old uniforms. Uh, and it, it's a lot of fun. As I said, we haven't gotten to do that as much in recent years. Uh, frankly, it was a lot easier to do when the OSAA didn't have the, the ranking system that we have now, you know, we right. could take a game and say, Hey, you know what? Our uniforms, they're, they're heavy. And you know, they, they're, they're awkward when it's a hot day. And if it's a wet day and again, oh, gosh. Coast, they weigh about 120 pounds, <laughs> um, you know, but, um, you know, we, we, we had an awful lot of fun for, you know, in those mid two thousands, uh, 2010 or so, I think, it's been about ten years since we've gotten to do one, but actually, what we've what we've gone to now that's become the big event for us every year, um, and it's gosh, we it's been ten, well, it's been about I guess it'll be our tenth year coming up. Um, every year on the Fourth of July weekend, we have an alumni game. That's right, and. Um, Oh my gosh, it's incredible! Actually, I mentioned Dan and and uh, a, a former Warrenton player named Danny McFadden, whose son graduated uh, in 2011. Thomas was an All-State catcher, caught in college, and then for a while in Australia. Um, so another and his Danny's brother Mark was a pitcher on my state champion team in '94. Uh, his son Gavin played for me. You know, we have baseball families in this town, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, they said, "Hey, how would you feel? You know, why don't we get together, have a game at the end of the year, let the former players come?" And I said, "Sure, let's do it." But I, I, I just had a couple of personal qualms. I, I said, "I don't want to charge them, though. I just want them to come and play and have fun." Um, and so the first couple of years, 
you know, we always had we always had more than enough for two teams right away. Uh, but the first couple of years, it was pretty much just the players showing up. But then about the third year, all of a sudden, um, the the guys they were bringing their spouses and their kids, and you know, because again, some of the ones that were playing, you know, hadn't been playing for twenty years or so, and they had families. And we said, "Yeah, you bet, bring everyone. You know, bring your parents. It'll be a fun reunion for them to get to see parents that they haven't hung out with in years." Yeah, I, I have an assistant coach now named Boomer Bjarnson Ryan. But we've always called him Boomer. Uh, Boomer was the first team All-Stater for me, and uh, he played on my first team here, graduated in 93. That was the first team to make it to the finals. Um, he's been my coach for many years, and Boomer runs our uh, baseball website. I have, I've, I'm have i about as technologically sound as a rock. Uh, <laughs> so he, he does that. And, uh, he does a great job of, of uh, drumming up the interest and such, and, you know, Again, we're a small town. I, 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 I think I'm now at 111 kids that have played baseball for me on the high school varsity in my 30 years. Um, you know, it's such a small number, and I know it is compared to you know lots of other places. But we'll get 45 of them at our alumni games, and you know, it's, you know, I've had guys call and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I'm in South Dakota," uh, you know, and then you know we've had them come from all over. Um, and it's been an incredible thing. The guys show up, uh, you know, we'll have two teams of 20 or whatever it is. And uh, it's, it's the game that never ends. Uh, we, we don't play seven innings or nine innings or whatever. Uh, we play, frankly, we play until the, the catchers are all worn out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. With older with older players, you'd run out of catchers before when, anything else. When we run out of catchers, <laughs> when they run out of juice, that's it. Um, and you know, we always have plenty of arms. And one of the things that's been really neat for me, uh, I, I tell my players every year, Hey, you need to come and watch this. You need to come and watch the grads. Because what, what we are, we're, we put a lot of emphasis on tradition here. Uh, not so much in a, in a pressure manner, but the idea that, uh, you know, well, uh, class is the kind of thing that you, you hope, is a tradition that you continue. And, you know, I, uh, you know, I want, I want my guys to see my old guys because, you know, they carried themselves the right way. They do things the right way. I want them to see how I want my current players to see how my former players feel about one another. You know, after all those years, they show up and, Oh, the dugouts are hilarious. I have the greatest job ever. All I do is go back and forth between the dugouts and you know, chat with them and listen. I I get to touch base with every guy again and hear how they're doing. I get to meet their spouses and their kids, and I get to see their parents again and grandparents, for that matter. I mean, it, it's uh, we've had you know Fourth of July. People have a lot of things to do. We'll have over a hundred people there, and we're start we we get people from the Warrenton community that have never had kids play in the program, but they've been watching us forever. They come to the event. We get to see our old fans and, and, you know, it, it, it's just, oh, it's just a blast. I, I, and the thing that, again, I, I don't, I don't put time into fundraising. I, I'm not a lot of time anyway. Uh, I've always felt like money will take care of itself if you do the other things right. Uh, every year at the end, 
and this is Boomer again, Boomer passes the hat and, you know, uh, we've made thousands of dollars in 10 years. I mean, we've had, we had one year where he passed a hat and there was 1200 in it when it was done. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and again, we're not trying to make money on it. I deliberately, I don't want to charge them. Uh, I want them to just to come back and reconnect. And it's actually done good things in other ways. We've sometimes had guys there there's, you know, baseball is still always going to be a mirror of our society too. And we can't, you know, it's foolish to think, you know, that it's an oasis and not going to be that way. We've had some, some guys that after they graduated some some things in their lives, haven't necessarily been all peaches and cream. And, um, you know, for some of them, it was difficult for them to come back. Uh, some of them, you know, they, they shared that ah, I'm embarrassed with, you know, this, that, or the other. And, you know, we always make a point of telling them, Hey, just come back. It's all right, man. You're always going to be part of our family. And, um, they come. And in some cases I've, I've had three or four in recent years that, that, um, that, that thanked us for having the event and said, this is the first time I've seen anyone from Warrington in eight years because I've been so embarrassed. Um, I've had parents come up crying and thanking me because uh, our game brought them home. You know, we, you know, kids that hadn't seen their parents in years, they came back and wanted to see their parents here too. And, and so the field became the liaison, if you want, between them. And, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, that, that day when it ends, um, you know, everyone's happy everyone's happy and no one wants to leave. Uh, I mean, if I could find a way to come up with a mechanical catcher, the game would probably take 12 hours. We'd play till dark. You know, we don't have lights at Warrington. So it's, it's all about mother nature. We'd play till dark. Um, And, and that in itself, I I mean, one of the other things the kids get to see, I, I, and I always want to tell them, you watch the former players, you watch how intense they are when they play. Some of them weigh 300 pounds. Some of them are, (laughs) you know, are old. Some of them, you know, some of them are in, in in different degrees of physical health, (laughs) but they're going to sprint through first base. And you're going to see a hundred percent effort when they're on the field. No one's, they're not being silly. They're having a blast, but they are so competitive. Uh, and, and it never gets ugly. I mean, it's, there's nothing but smiles and laughter, but man, they compete. And and I have, my kids do end up, my current players will end up saying, holy cow, is that, you know, was he that intense when he was in high school when he hit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. And, uh, you know, the guy, the former players will you know, they'll hunt down my current ones and say, Hey, I expect, uh, you know, I expect to hear good things about you because you know, you're, you're here now and you're part of this program. You're next. And, uh, you know, it was fun. You met, you were at the state championship game. So I, a year ago, so I know you saw Dan there. You you saw how many of my former players were there. Uh, Yeah. We went, I went and sat with Dan behind Dan and, uh, for, I tried to have a conversation with him and I really couldn't because he and about probably 15 other Warrington alumni were there and they wouldn't take a half a second to look away from the game really. I mean, they were tuned into that thing. They are. And you know, again, the, the intensity part of it, as I said, I, I, it's hard not to love that as a coach, but the bigger part for me is just, uh, 
you know, I also know though, they did it the right way. You know, that wasn't the kind of thing where people had to look up from down on the field and say, boy, those guys are jerks. Not what we do. Uh, you know, in our program, we're taught, you don't question calls. You know, you know I'm sure there were moments where they might've hollered something, but not much of it. And, uh, uh, you know, it just, you know, they, they had, they had a blast. I, I mean, that's when I was thanking them after the game, you know, that, that was, you know, they said, gosh, it was fun to, it was fun to see us here again, doing this stuff again. And, gosh, it was fun to see. I haven't seen that teammate. And then I said, oh yeah, since the alumni game. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of it's as i said it's it's a special community and uh but i think we've worked to develop that Uh, you know and again i think my predecessors did and uh i you know i felt like hey i've i've been given the blessing of of being given the reins if you want to say it that way uh i have an obligation to make sure that we continue that that aspect of it. it you know, and uh, it, gosh, it's been fun. Well, you talked about uh, class, and you even mentioned there briefly of, of um, treating umpires in a really respectful way. And Warrington, as a baseball program, I know has a um, a culture of doing that and doing things the right way and taking care of the small things. If if you go to a game and see Warrington play, you're going to see players with their uh, jerseys are going to be buttoned up, their hats are going to be worn straight. Um, their cleats are probably going to be pretty clean, at least at the start of the game. You're not going to hear players um, saying or really doing anything that that could in any way really make you think that it's a team full of jerks. Uh, helmets get set down, bats get set down kind of nicely. And um, is that something that you really focused on early and then it became part of the culture? Is that something you have to revisit every year? How, how did all of that manifest? I think that's ongoing. Um, I, I, I don't think you can ever stop focusing on the importance of that. Uh, I, I, I can say this. I, 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 maybe this is, again, being kind of an old guard, old soul in some respects. I don't mind the term old guy at all. Um, but one of the things that for me went with that, I've always felt like, Personally, as a coach, I need to model what I expect of my players. Uh, I refuse to argue about calls. Uh, I've never gone out to argue about a call. I have gone out when I know it's a matter of a misinterpretation of the rule, but I don't raise my voice. I accept, you know, whatever the umpires then rule, I always say thank you. Um, I I call umpires Mr. Umpire or Sir. I don't allow my players to use the term "Hey Blue" or call them by name. <laughs> Can't stand uh, it. Yeah. We're, we're going to be respectful, um, and that begins with the coach. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I am. Uh, well, I don't think "proud" necessarily is the word because I try not to be prideful. But um, I've, I've never been penalized in the three sports I do. And again, I did 30 years of football. I'm up to 25 years in wrestling. I started doing that again a year ago. Uh, and then all my years in baseball, I've never been penalized or ejected. And, uh, that includes all the summer ball. And, uh, that's important to me because one, if I'm not on the, if if I'm not on the field or if I'm not Matt's side, I can't help the kid, uh, which means I've let them down. But the bigger part is again, I should be modeling what I expect of them and what I expect 
and of myself for that matter, is that you know, we're going to try to, to affect in a positive manner the parts of the game that we have control of, and we're going to accept the other parts. And sometimes that might go against us. There, there have been, well, a couple of really legendary cases where uh, uh, you know, just an outrageous call went against us. We lost a state championship game in 98 uh, in the ninth inning on what most people and video apparently showed was uh, a missed call on a, we, we thought we turned a double play to end the game with us on top and uh, umpire called otherwise. And, you know, I've, I, I didn't go out and argue the call because again, that's, you know, he made his decision, and, and and anyway, the bases were there. There were the bases were loaded. There wouldn't have been anyone he could have appealed for help. So, <laughs> but uh, it's called his alone. Yeah, I think that part's really hard for some people to get to. Yeah. I'm happy I got to it kind of early in my in my coaching career, where going out and arguing with an umpire is has has, and it happens in professional sports too. I've never seen an umpire be yelled at or be treated in a poor way and then finish the conversation. You go, you know what, uh, Max, uh, I'm going to change my call because of that. Exactly. It's not going <laughs> to happen. But and the other part of it too is I, 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 I have so much respect for umpires and for what sports officials do for us. And we're definitely in a society now that, that thinks it's, you know, a, a it's, it's a privilege to yell at officials at, at right. sporting events. Yes. And it's why so many of them have given it up. And uh, I, I can't play the game without them. And that doesn't make it, uh, well, I guess I'm going to have to treat them well then. Um, I, I respect them and I'm grateful for what they do. And that's why I treat them well. Um, and so, you know, my players know, hey, if you strike out you, on a bad call, you don't turn and give the umpire a look. You don't turn and hold your hands up at me like, did you see that? You, you head to the dugout. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, and the fact, you know, one of the things I say and, you know, I, I, I point out that, uh, you know, if, if it was a bad call for strike three, that still probably means that you missed one and two. You know, I, we'll, let's deal with the things we can control. And that becomes so important. Uh, you know, I, w- kids don't need to learn how to make excuses. Kids need to learn how to make a difference. You know, it, it's not about, well, you know, I failed because it's someone, it's not about me. It's someone else. Now, you know what? You evaluate yourself and you do the best you can. And if you've done that, then you have reason to stand tall. And um, in the meantime, you might as well do it in a way that ingratiates you to others as opposed to the other kind. Uh, and, and again, I've, I, I've, you know, we, we do, we work at it. Well, I, I've talked a lot already. I, I can hear myself mentioning the word gratitude a lot. One of the most important things that we do as a program uh, when when a baseball game ends, we, we of course we shake hands with the opposing team uh, and thank the umpires. Uh, I as soon as I shake the last hand, I turn around and I, I tell my players, "Go thank people for coming." Uh, I don't even have to say it anymore. That's become you know they know that uh, the players immediately leave the field. It doesn't matter if we're home or away. Uh, and they go out and they thank people. And, I, you know, we give them some direction. I tell them, I, I don't want you to go to your parents first. 
Go to them last. They'll wait for you every time. You know, I want you to go thank other people. Um, and it's interesting. Over the years, I've had uh, members of the community come up and say, you know, I hire, I'll hire one of your kids every time because I'll never forget how they come and thank me for coming to a game. Uh, your, you know, your kids, you know, and it's always flattering when they call them my kids, but uh, you'll say your kids know how to treat people. And, um, that can be a tough thing at times. I mean, it's easy to go thank people for coming after a win. Yeah. yeah. And, it feels and good. We've been lucky. We, yeah, exactly. Cause you know, you're going to get lots of compliments. Well, you know, it's tough when it's a loss. And, uh, you know, because you're often dealing with personal feelings and, but, you know, we're going to do it nonetheless. I was so proud of our guys. You know, when, you know, the two years ago in the finals, we lost eight to one to a, a fantastic Lapine team. Um, and, you know, I told the guys, this may be one of the hardest things you've done, but I want you to go up into the bleachers now and thank people for coming before we do anything else. And actually one of the kids told me later, coach, that wasn't hard. That, that, that wasn't hard. You know, that's what, you know, and the kids said, that's what we do. And, uh, you know, they went up and they thanked our students, the student body bus that had come. They thanked all those people. They thanked parents. They thanked anyone that looked like they were waiting for them. Uh, and, and they just kept, they were, they worked the crowd for quite a while. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I was, as I said, I, I was prouder of that than the fact that we made it into the state championship game because I was watching young men, uh, carry themselves in a way that, um, it's going to have so much benefit beyond their high school careers. Yeah, we had a, we played in the semifinals the last couple of years. And um, one of the times a parent from one of the opposing teams that we lost to um, tracked me down on Twitter and sent me just a, a message through Twitter. And it's still probably the, the compliment I value above all of our, all other compliments I've ever gotten as a coach. And it was just, it was just kind of talking about our players and how they, how they treated each other and the officials and, 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 and the people in the stands and whatnot during and after the game and stuff like that. Like you said, it means so much more than, than playing in whatever baseball game you're playing in. Exactly. Well, and, and this has always been one of my beliefs. Winning will take care of itself if you do the other things the right way. Um, and I, I think it, you know, most of the time that proves out. Uh, and so, you know, we work on that and, and I, I'm not, I don't want to suggest that, you know, prior to my arrival, that wasn't the way things were at Warrington. As I said, there are fewer men I've met that are, that I have as much respect for as Dwayne Huddleston and the feelings he generated from his former players. Um, you know, clearly he, he did things the right way too. Um, but, you know, it just happens I'm the guy now that's that's given the opportunity to be in this position. And so I, I try. I, I try. And again, I kids kids seldom really disappoint you. Uh, I, I think if you give them the opportunity, they they step up to the level of expectation far more often than than the opposite of that. And, you know, and, and we you know, we try to help them to understand that too, that, um, you know, we have a high level of expectation for you, but it's a reasonable expectation. You're, you're that good a person, you know, and, and you apply those kinds of things, you'll end up being that good a player too. And yeah, again, we've, 
we've had some good fortune here. There's a lot of people that, um, that, that kind of just brought a thought up for me that there's a lot of people nowadays that, that will have less than ideal things to say after they start the sentence with kids nowadays are, and have a lot of negative things to say about kids in today's society. You've coached kids for a, a long time. Um, have you noticed changes in kids? Society changes, cultures change. Um, yeah, sure, there are differences. Uh, I mean, there are differences in uh, the adults from the beginning of my teaching to career uh, to now. Uh, you know, teachers are different. Everything's different, but that's that's a product in many cases of just you know time. Uh, you know, things things change, but ultimately, I really believe. You know, people from one generation to the next, uh, you know, we're, we're the good people are still there. And, um, you know, we just have to give them an opportunity to show their attributes. And and uh, kids, I mean, some, some of our kids today are dealing with things that I, I can't even imagine having dealt with when I was young. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it, in many cases, you know, I, I when I talk to, to to students now and about the things that are going on in their lives and the things they have to deal with from time to time, I'm sure that those kinds of things were happening when I was a kid too. Um, but it's still, it just, I'm always compelled to to realize again, you know, uh, kids are incredible, and um, you know, I I owe them my best efforts because. Well, it doesn't matter what decade it is. Kids are dealing with a lot of stuff. Yes, <laughs> they are. As, a, as an English teacher, uh, and you, you're an English teacher too, uh, retired now, but um, I, we both have seen it through baseball, but also through English. Like I've had a lot of students who just through the fact that we sit in the classroom for a long time together and we write a lot, um, they reveal a lot of a lot of things in their writing that you read and it just, you kind of like, man, how do you even get up in the morning, let alone go through the day and you're smiling and you're happy and um, man, kids are, kids are amazing. Like you said, it's probably been going on forever, but it's, it is amazing. Yeah. I think, you know, I kind of getting into the educational part of it. uh, I, I, I always wanted to make sure that I never became that former teacher who said, or old teacher who said, well, back in, Back in the day, things were so much better than they are now. I never wanted to be that guy. Back in the day, things were different than they are now. I'm not saying better or worse. They were different, you know, which, uh, you know, and again, teachers have so much more to deal with now than they did once upon a time. But, you know, there is one thing I'm going to say that I really believe is better now. Uh, I do think we do a much better job uh, educationally now at trying to prevent uh, kids from falling between the cracks. I, 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 I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. I, I don't think any of us want to be quite that bold, but I do think that schools work so much harder now at um, finding all the other kinds of issues that might inhibit a kid from becoming, you know, the person they could be. And, um, you know, I'm I'm happy that as my career advanced, 
uh, in years that 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 was something that occurred. Um, you know, there there are more programs available to help kids, um, and, and you know, again, it becomes you know part of the greater load that new teachers have that sometimes can make it awfully difficult for them. Uh, but I, I hope every I hope every new teacher and every new coach just remembers that the kids are worth it. And, um, you know, any hardship that we might impose upon ourselves by virtue of our professional choices uh, is a load worth handling. Uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, the kids are good. <laughs> I, I don't know how else, but kids are kids and it doesn't matter what decade it is. And, and, you know, I, I hope I never start to get a different sense of that. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I, and I've had lots of friends that tell me, well, Lenny, you've got such a Pollyannish attitude. You know, you, you're looking, you're, you know, they mix metaphors and such, you know, they say you're Pollyanna uh, looking through the world with rose colored lenses. And, and I, you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to find the good in it. And that doesn't mean that I'm not critical. My former players will tell you that as a coach, I'm, I'm highly evaluative to the point where, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, you know, did I do anything right? And, you know, but I, I, I've always tried to couple that with the idea that, hey, the reason I'm being that critical, the reason I'm looking as hard as intensely as I'm looking is because I believe that you're that capable of becoming that special. You know, um, we, we've been lucky here. We've had an awfully high percentage of kids go play college ball. And, um, you know, I, I suppose it makes me feel good to know that they developed enough skills that programs said, yeah, we'd like to have your kids. Uh, I, I think as much as anything, though, I'm happy about the fact that my guys want to continue to play. Gosh, war, they, they come out of here and they love ball. You know, they play as long as they can. In fact, I'm wearing a shirt right now. It's a baseballism shirt. It says play as long as you can, as hard as, or what's it say? Play as hard as you can, as long as you can, while you still can. And, you know, I, I've had so many guys that have seen that shirt over the years and they say, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, they, and, and then, and then when you can't play anymore, coach, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's perfect. Uh, you know, they, they love the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've helped to impart that feeling. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's allowed us to have such an incredible sense of community here. Uh, I, I've been so lucky. So many of my uh, former coaches, uh, or excuse me, former players have become coaches for me. Uh, right now, my coaching staff, uh, I have Boomer Bjornsson that I mentioned. Um, one of the other coaches is, is a gentleman named Kobe Marshall. He graduated back in 99. He played uh, three years of pro ball after his college career. He was a small college All-American. Actually led the nation in earned run average, lowest ERA one year in the NAIA. Uh, Kobe's one of, you know, he comes back now and he's uh, a world-class uh, mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu actually. And he's, you know, ranked 
internationally. He's 40 years old and he's the best conditioned guy you've ever seen. He's, he's scary, strong and scary, lean and ripped, you know, 220 pounds. And he comes, you know, he comes and he's part of a program and the kids see him and they say, you know, he's how old, you know, I mean, he's, he's still doing it. I mean, he's 40 years old and he's still doing it. He played football and wrestled and played baseball for me. He did all the sports for me. And, but, you know, it's gratifying to me that he wants to come back and, and, you know, be a part of it here. And I've had many others. I, I got, you know, a parent's dream. Dan, Dan came home and coached summer ball with me for, you know, for a couple of years uh, while he was in college. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how much fun that was. I mean, at one point I said, Hey, you know what, this summer ball, we're co-head coaches. You're, you're the third base coach today. Uh, you know, it, 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 gosh, how much fun. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, I, I, I have to, he'll probably say, Oh, holy cow. Don't do that when he hears this. But, uh, frankly, when, when the day arrives that I decide I want to be done as a head baseball coach, I hope my career ends with me being an assistant coach for him. Um, because I would like nothing more than to get to have that opportunity to, to be his assistant for a while and, and to get to spend the time with him. Uh, that would be pretty special, I would think. It'd be all right. It'd be all right. You know, get the, the the idea of getting to coach my grandchildren. I I said yeah. I, I have four right now, and a fifth one on the way. And uh, uh, you know, one one I I got to coach my daughter in summer softball uh, way back when, uh, uh, which actually kind of goes to the one of the ideas uh, of things that I think are important for for people that are trying to be coaches and parents. Uh, what worked for us in our family, um, you know, I, I made a commitment that, you know, just because I was coaching, it, I, w- I wasn't going to be that, that coach that wasn't present in his kids' lives. And at times that meant, uh, quite honestly, uh, there were an awful lot of years where I coached two or three teams at a time. I had one year, I had one year where I coached my high school summer team, uh, my, my son was playing on two different youth teams at the time that I helped with. And then I also helped coach my daughter's ASA team. Um, and I don't know that I ever had a more enjoyable year. You know, I had, I had to keep a calendar to know which field I was supposed to be on, but I got to be with my family constantly. And uh, uh, gosh, it was just great. It a lot of baseball great. left still to be had in the Wolf family, I think. Ah, <laughs> I think I, this is going to go hope, on for a long time still. I hope so. As I said, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I know this, the whole family has a passion. I, I, you know, I mentioned Katie's married to Derek Doherty. Uh, she, she met him. She went to Southwestern Oregon Community College on a volleyball softball scholarship. And Derek was on track scholarship there. Uh, and he's from a small town in Idaho that didn't have baseball, uh, but he loves he loves baseball, and um, you know I, I I I'm even lucky there. You know she married she married a track guy, uh, but he loves baseball. So hey, you know, and and he was a pretty good track athlete. So hey, maybe genetically we added a little. There speed you go. The mix too. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm looking for that. You know it it's just worked out well. And Dan's wife Lauren. Um, you know, she she just absolutely uh, loves 
football and baseball and Dan's involvement in it. Uh, you know, you were present when they got married. I, I, her vows are still to me some of the most remarkable one. Well, you know, when you know she mentioned the fact that hey, you know, when when you're done, you know, watching game film and such, you know, the beers will be ready. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, but she never mind the beers part. I, I thought, well, uh, you know. I, I, well, you know, I don't drink, but yeah, uh, you know, the, the thing that was important to me is that she acknowledged in her vows that I know this is what you do, and I'm good with that. Uh, you know, I, um, you know, again, you know, even my kids have become pretty fortunate in you know the the choices they've made. They've they've found partners that um, love what their partners do, and and I know that Dan and Katie love equally what Lauren and Derek do. And, you know, that, that's always got to be the key, doesn't it? I mean, whether you're teaching or coaching or parenting, uh, you know, we, we just have to become a part of, of what the others do and, and what they do in their lives has to matter to us just as much as what we're doing. And, uh, you know, again, well, again, I think that's one of the things I try hard to teach, uh, you know, call that the unwritten, uh, curriculum, but again, the sports are an extension of the educational process. So we work at that. Yeah, the the you've you've built a lot of people up and used baseball as a conduit. But I'd be I I have to ask you about Brian Bruni before I let you off. Okay. Um, there's not a lot of. Uh, it's I guess it's it's super rare for a player from any any program anywhere to you know play at the highest level in his particular sport. And then not only to play in the highest level, but to then play in that that game's highest game, and then to be one of the twenty five guys on the roster. And Brian Brody won a World Series with the Yankees in two thousand nine. Right. What was that like for you as as a guy who who played a big role in his life? You know, Brian Brian's a special person to my family. Uh, his wife Stacy was his high school sweetheart. She actually took my daughter's senior pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, Brian's children are out and about now here. Brian lives in, uh, in basically Astoria, just across, you know, just across the Bay. Uh, I, I, I still get to see him quite a bit. Um, the thing about Brian's experiences that were so much fun for me, uh, he, with the exception of a very short number of years where he and the family lived in Alabama, Brian came home every off season and he worked out in the gym. Uh, and I was always invited to be there. And, uh, you know, essentially I, I, I hate to call myself a pitching coach when he was running sessions, but he'd ask <laughs> what I was doing. And, you know, we'd talk about what he was doing or what had changed and, you know, well, you know, the easiest thing to say is, you know, no one's seen anyone pitch as much as pitch. No one's seen Brian pitch as much as I had, including those pro years. And so, you know, it, but the, the thing about it that was so much fun for me is, and again, this has a lot to do with how good a person Brian is. Uh, Brian shared, shared his experiences with us by being present in those off seasons. And, and we didn't spend a lot of, I didn't ask a lot of, of questions. I certainly didn't want to know, let's call it the locker room stuff that should be left in the locker room. Uh, I, but, uh, you know, I, w- I was more interested in, you know, what, what those experiences were like for him and, um, uh, you know, the family and, uh, 
uh, you know, how it was affecting him in other ways. I mean, Brian paid a big price for his professional career. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he dealt with a lot of physical issues that in some cases made him a little bit of a hero in the city of New York. At one point he, uh, he, uh, basically he broke his foot, you know, it was a list Frank injury and it was one that, uh, should have required some pretty significant surgery, but there was a remote chance that if he dealt with it in a different way, that he'd be able to come back by the end of the season when perhaps they would need another arm, uh, you know, at that point in the year when, you know, pro teams are always looking for a few extra arms. And rather than do what would have probably been best for him personally, Brian took the chance on the alternative route and was able to return by the end of the year uh, from an injury that normally meant, you know, done for the season. And uh, I, you know, the, the, it drew the people of New York to him or, you know, he drew himself to them. Um, you know, he, uh, it was, it was pretty cool to see the kinds of ovations and such he got when he went back out on the field and then actually performed at a pretty dang high level too. Um, you know, from, from, you know, Brian's experiences, my gosh, uh, Oh, his off season work ethic, uh, uh, at one point, the Yankees switched managers and they went to Joe Girardi. And, you know, Girardi's, I, you know, famous for his physical regimen and, you know, for the emphasis he puts on on that. And, uh, you know, that worked great for Brian because, you know, he that offseason, he was on a treadmill one to two hours a day. And he, he really physically rebuilt himself. And he went back and, you know, guys were, you know, he, at the time he might've been, you know, that marginal guy, you know, is he going to make the staff or not? Is he going to be one of those pitchers that makes it? And Girardi said, all I know is he showed up in better shape than just about everyone else. And uh, that was the 09 season that they won the series and Brian earned a ring. And uh, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, that's heady stuff. I'm, I'm tickled. Brian's home now, and uh, he, his kids are. Uh, he has a daughter that's uh, in eighth grade, and she's going to be a fantastic player. The thing that's been cool for me is to see you know, Brian's been coaching her. He has a son that's that's going to, I think, be pretty good. That's younger. He's got another young daughter, but I, I tell you, I'm Brian's really been involved in their lives, um, you know, and. Even like I said, in the off seasons when he used to come home, I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, he gets it uh, again. He gets it, and uh, it was it was pretty neat though the, you know, the opportunity we got to, you know, experience you know vicariously through him, you know that that professional thing. We've had three kids that um, you know have played pro ball. Uh, uh, I had a player named Jason Farmer that graduated in 93 um, at the end, at the end of his college career, he signed a free agent contract and played one year for the uh, Cleveland Indians. He was on the same um, rookie team as uh, CC Sabathia. Oh, there you go. And in fact, Jason basically was the guy, you know, I hate to say it. Sabathia obviously was a, you know, first round, you know, can't miss pick, uh, when he, 
Jason was pretty much there to protect him when when uh, CC got to his pitch count. Farmer was the guy that would come in behind him. There you go. Uh, and uh, and actually, Jason ended up having a pretty significant uh, baseball career after that one season. Uh, he became a, a, a private tutor and and uh, did that for a number of years in the Washington D.C. area. Uh, ironically, basically Georgetown. He uh, he coached the children of countless um, uh, senators, you know, the, the congressmen, uh, the most prominent attorneys, uh, lobbyists. I mean, he, you know, the, his his list of clients uh, is a who's who in politics. Uh, but interestingly, you know, he he had some kids that ended up being pretty significant collegiate players and such. And I'd like to think that. You know, part of it was because of the job he did coaching him. I, I certainly heard he was, uh, you know, an outstanding pitching coach. Um, Brian's Brian's helped with the program in Astoria. Uh, he's he's got a standing offer to work here, and he knows that. But he, he lives over there, and it's just a little more practical. And at one point, he said, "You know, well, you know, Lenny, what can I, you know, what would I be able to offer? You coached me." Uh, you know, and, and uh, of course, I'd still like him to come back. I'm greedy. I want all of my former yeah, players. Yeah, before I limit you, of course. I, I, uh, one of one of well, my my first college ball player from Warrenton, Riker Thornton, is the first base coach for Astoria. Has been you know through the years where they've won all their state titles, he's been the first base coach, and I'd give anything for him to come back. He, uh, you know, he was my first guy to go to my alma mater, and uh, as I said, I'm I'm greedy. I want every single Warrington guy that that ever played for me that's now a coach to come coach with us, and, and a lot of them do in our youth programs and such. And uh, that's pretty cool. I've I've always gone to the youth games. Uh, I think that's important. It's not like I'm scouting. I'm not at all. You know, but but I I want the kids and I want the families to understand that um, you know what they're doing is important too. It's it you know it's never going to be just about the four years I have them. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, Michelle and I were involved for years in the, uh, administration of the Warrington youth baseball programs. Uh, Michelle was actually the first president of an organization called Warrington Kids Incorporated that, that runs our youth programs and, and does fundraising and such for those. And, um, you know, the first meeting was held, you know, in our, <laughs> at our house with, you know, the, the people that ended up being the first executive board members. And, and uh, again, those, you know, if you, if you want to have a successful program at the high school level, you need to make sure that good things are happening in the youth levels. And, and if in order for that to happen, you have to do significant things to make sure that the financial wherewithal is there, then you'd better. You know, so a lot of my kids that want to come out for baseball, including when they're younger, they don't have the financial wherewithal. Our community always takes care of them. You know, we we've, we always find a way and our community takes care of them. And you need to make sure that that's happening. Uh, you know, that, that you know, we don't want to lose kids because they can't afford it. We can we can cover costs. Commun- there, there, there may be, you know, ha- half of them may not you know, have much financially, but the other half, they can do things. And, and again, when, when we come to the realization, the understanding that everyone matters, uh, that's what we'll do. You know, we'll always take care of one another. If, if, 
<laughs> you know, sometimes we just have to help people understand how, how to go about doing that. They want to, they just don't know how. Yeah. It ties back into what you said earlier about treating other people well yeah. without, without any expectation that something comes back to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I don't do it because of what I get out of it, but I get more out of it than I'll ever deserve. <laughs> uh, you've built a, uh, You've built it, but you've also been a part of it, like you said, and the community up there is really fantastic. As we as we kind of near the end of the conversation, I just wanted to give you a chance if there's anything maybe we didn't touch on that you you wanted to get to or or anything like that, and just kind of give you a chance to to hash well, anything out. I, you know, Max, I I don't even know what our 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 list you know our list of things that we should or shouldn't have been covering we didn't have one you said the dialogue would pretty much just take care of itself and i hope that it did um it, you know again i i just i i have so many people i when i was when i was inducted into the coaches hall of fame uh i know i talked a long time longer probably than i had any right to um uh, but I didn't spend any of the time talking about the things I had done. And I hope I didn't do too much of that today. It's more about, I wanted an opportunity to thank all the people that have impacted my life and, and allowed me to have this incredible experience. Um, I, I've had incredible assistant coaches. I've worked for incredible administrators. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been lucky here at Warrington. Gary McBride uh, became an athletic director uh, after HUD and then Doug Calvert, uh, Robert hopeful for a couple of years before he moved to the East coast to, because that's where his wife was from and she had opportunities and he understood the family thing. Um, you know, the athletic director now, Ian O'Brien, I've, I've worked for great guys. I've worked for great guys. I've had incredible assistance. I've had some great mentors and peers, uh, I spent 21 years coaching with John Matilla, who is one of the winningest coaches in Oregon football, uh, Oregon high school football history. Uh, you know, I could talk for two hours about the things that I felt like I got from working with him, not the least of which was an incredible friend or is an incredible friend. You know, neither of us are coaching football anymore, but uh, we still go to every game together. Um, you know, and and uh, we probably look at it with too evaluative an eye. We. <laughs> We still tend to watch the games like we're football coaches, uh, you know, but that's just the way it'll be. Heck, the, the, every year, and, and we don't do this on purpose. It's not like some weird tradition, but every year, invariably, when daily doubles are supposed to start, either he or I ends up at the other person's house. I mean, it's just like, hey, it's first day of football. We should be, you know, this is when we're, we start working together again, you know, in the summer. And, uh, you know, I, I, Got to be an assistant coach in wrestling for Dennis Warren, uh, who, you know, is well one of the legendary coaches in Oregon high school wrestling. I, I've, I've, I've had great mentors and then great, great peers that I've gotten to work with. Uh, all of the guys that have been on my coaching staff, uh, and and obviously I always come back around to my, you know, to my immediate family. Um, you know, I, I don't, I know so many coaches now we use terms, you know, we, we use the term family to refer to our programs and, and, um, you know, we, 
you know, we, we tend to spend a lot of time trying to foster that idea. And I agree with it a hundred percent. Um, but, you know, one of the things I, I pointed out one time, I, I said, you know, in some respects, you're going to need to treat each other better than family because, uh, you know, most of us would probably say some of the worst knockdown, drag out, fighting, yelling matches we've had in our lives have been with family members uh, because we tend to not, uh, you know, we turn all the filters off when we're with family sometimes. And yeah, true honesty. It's kind of like, uh, I don't really want you doing that with one another <laughs> here, you know, and ultimately anytime, you know, we've had those moments in our lives with our families, we've probably at some point come back to them with the most heartfelt apologies too. Um, you know, it, it, uh, yeah, but you know, I, like I said, I, I tell the guys, I don't use a lot of, I don't spend much time using the term family. I don't spend much time talking about, you know, how, how the love that we develop for one another, uh, but guys, I, th- I think, you know, I, I think, you know, what you need to know. Maybe that's where I'm an old guy and, and I haven't quite turned that corner like Chris has. Uh, I've loved the fact that he's finished his things for years with loving you. Um, uh, you know, but you know, it's it, the nice thing for me in recent years. And it's a big part of that alumni event that we have, you know, guys come back and they, they said, you know, we always knew how much you cared about us. You know, and, uh, I guess I'm happy. I'm happy that they knew that, you know, and I, you know, I, I, maybe I think a little less of myself because I haven't been able to just flat out say that to them. It's a, it's a, you know, again, I'm an old guy. It's difficult to say, I love you to your players, you know, but uh, I'm glad they knew that's and know that's how I feel. And, um, you know, I, I hope that younger coaches have an easier time, sharing that emotion with them because I do think it's an important thing. Uh, you know, I, I hope that our actions speak louder than our words. And I guess that's what I've always tried to do. If I'm going to defend myself, that's my defense. I've, I've tried to show it by my actions and, uh, well, again, I hope that's worked. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it has. I think the relationship you have with that community is so special and the relationship they have with you and your family too is, is really cool. And, you know, one of the words you used a lot was, was gratitude. And I'm, I'm super grateful to have you on. So coach Wolf, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast with me today. Oh, thank you, Max. And and we'll, I'll, I'll, if I can finish with a little bit off the cuff thing, uh, thank you for te- forcing me to learn a little something about technology. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought know. if we could just get a device in front of you that has a microphone in it, we'd get some, well, get some gold know, coming out. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> you can't. You can. Uh, it's just that sometimes they're not very good at the new trick. But uh, you know, hey, I learned something. I learned something new in this process, and and uh, I'm really happy. I'm really grateful. I, I this was kind of fun. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Max. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find the High School Coaches Club by going to our website, www.highschoolcoachesclub.com. In addition to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at HS Coaches Club. Coaches, trainers, administrators, uh, even players uh, can all provide us with stories that that help us improve ourselves and the lives of our athletes, too. So uh, here's the deal, everyone. Um, If you know somebody who'd make for an awesome guest here on the podcast, even if that somebody is you, uh, please email me at highschoolcoachesclub at gmail.com. 
coaches, trainers, administrators, players of seriously any sport uh, at the high school level. Uh, if you've got something or you know somebody who's got something to offer up to the rest of us, um, please reach out to me. That's the best way to kind of help this community grow. Um, lastly, you can always reach out to me personally, and this is really the fastest way to get a response because I spend probably far too much time there. Um, on Twitter, uh, my handle is at Mr. Max Price. Uh, so, hey, I appreciate you being a part of the High School Coaches Club. Uh, honored that you tuned in and, and spent some of your time here with us. Uh, so thank you for that. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.